Hi, and welcome to Finance Matters, the podcast series where we bring you bite-sized thoughts, stories, and inspiration in the hopes that they'll be useful to you on this road we're all on to do our best and be our best in the realm of financial matters here at UVA. I'm your host, Brandi Van Ormer. And I'm your co-host, Patty Marbury. We're here to talk to you about something that's very timely, not only for UVA finance, but I think for the whole university and probably for the world at large, it feels like we are all in a state of extended, like a, like a rubber band stretched out <laughs> too thinly or like uh, in Lord of the Rings where Frodo says he feels like butter scraped over too much bread. We're talking today about where, how, when you have been in a state of stress for too long. You start making all of your decisions based on that consistent feeling of stress. Mm-hmm. You get in a, a, a state of fight or flight. Your brain actually does this for you based on where you have developed since caveman times. Yeah, you're amygdala. Yeah, you're amygdala. <laughs> Uh, based on your will to survive as a species, yeah, um, your brain decides that um, you will survive and kicks into fight or flight mode. And so we start functioning in fight or flight mode and your rational brain shuts down. Yeah. And any degree of stress that you feel affects your basic brain systems of attention, energy, and memory. And your brain basically eliminates all unnecessary functioning, preparing you to fight or flee. Yeah. So it was an evolutionary advantage when your ancestors had to hunt for food or be hunted for food. Mm -hmm. And it's still an evolutionary advantage when in the moment, in a project or Uh, in a really stressful situation or a real life crisis. Yeah. Real life crisis. Um, Here in the modern world, you have to react to a stressful situation, but it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. So um, we all know that anxiety is a very prevalent (laughs) condition, even in this room. (laughs) (laughs) And the amygdala um, is still very active in all of us. And it's still sounding the alarm for really common occurrences. Mm -hmm. If all of your systems, uh, your other systems of your basic brain function, like attention, energy, and memory are shutting down. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. You're not making your best decisions. Right. In that case. Well, if everything is urgent, nothing is urgent. True. And I remember thinking about, I started to think about this as a younger professional. I remember working with like in the doctors and the people, the staff who worked with patients, Mm -hmm. they definitely saw everything as Mm -hmm. an emergency. Yeah. Because for them, lives lives are truly on the line. Yeah. And so they often got into that mindset that, Hey, we need this now. Mm -hmm. And that bled over into their interactions with every other uh, member of staff that they interacted Mm -hmm. with. And definitely, and bear in mind, this was like, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, um, when they were asking me about getting a billboard in a small town, 20 miles away, um, that was not an emergency, but they mm-hmm. treated it like it was, and yeah. it became my emergency. Right, right. Yeah. 
Um, so to start talking through this concept, we didn't want it to be just Patty and I, because <laughs> even though Patty and I are great and smart, um, <laughs> there are several people here in UVA Finance who have been with us through the project and been with finance for a really long time and had really interesting careers too. So we talked to everybody's favorite mayor of Carruthers, Stacey Rittenhouse. Mm -hmm. We talked to Augie Morelli, Sarah Fleming, Addie Coe, James Gorman, and Gretchen Kreibel. <clears throat> so we talked to all these folks about this concept. And I, I gave them the he a heads up that we, we wanted to talk with them and they had a little time to think about it. It's interesting, especially James was talking about the whole fight or flight mm -hmm. syndrome. Yeah. And he was talking about the brain chemistry involved and how the, the actual brain chemistry fools us when it comes to fight or flight syndrome. Some great advice I got from a professional coach not too long ago. Um, it was pre-UVA. Um, explained the whole the whole process to me of the flight or flight fight or flight uh, syndrome, I guess you could call it. Um, and and she explained to me that you know physiologically we have an area of our brain called the amygdala, became part of us in the prehistoric era, um, early humans, where we literally were looking for food. Um, we faced threats from saber-toothed tigers and other nasty creatures that were crawling the earth and looked at us as food. Um, and, and that developed to literally just hardwire us to identify a threat and, and decide whether we're going to fight or we're going to run. And we carried that with us through evolution, and we still have it today, but it's not as necessary for... Uh, we office workers, <laughs> as it was for us hunters and gatherers, you know, mil, you know, tens of or hundreds of thousands of years ago, whenever that was. Um, and so this this coach explained that to me and said, one of the important things is when we find when I find myself getting worked up about something and and really just getting into a spin cycle about it. It's important to recognize that that's happening and that in, in this context, it's an unnecessary mechanism. And, and the minute I recognize that that's happening, remember, this is unnecessary and I need to step back, take a deep breath and think rationally about what the situation is and how best to resolve it. But in in no case in my work life, uh, you know, as far as solving work problems, do I need to run, nor do I need to fight, and and so just having that moment to recognize this is this is un this is unnecessary machinery that's kicking into gear right now, and I need to step back from that and think rationally and sort this out, and and that's been good advice. I've been able to to use that well. But Eddie Coe also talked about how there's another internal force that can contribute to this whole mess of emotions and chemicals in your body. And that's the actual pressure, like that self-talk. Yeah. I did recently come to a realization that, and this probably is not revolutionary, 
but that if I'm stressed, it's because I am putting more pressure on myself to accomplish something. Most of the time, more pressure than anybody else. I think we sometimes think of stress as this like outside force being exerted on us by other people's expectations. But I did realize that like, really it's my expectations that are causing me to feel like I'm failing myself. And so that's like really negative self-talk. Um, and it's it's kind of lying to yourself saying, you should be better. You should be able to do more. Um, than what you are capable of doing at that time. So um, recently, or I think a good way to combat it is to switch it and have a more positive conversation with yourself about how you are intelligent, you are working hard, you are doing exactly what you can do at that moment, and you are putting in your best effort. Just because it's your best effort doesn't mean it's gonna work out every single time and that's okay. But it's it's the idea of like perfectionism that like weasels its way in and says, why can't you work 16 hours a day? When in reality, nobody should be working 16 hours a day. Like if you have to work 16 hours a day, that's a problem with your expectations of yourself or what your employer's expectations are of you. That's just not sustainable. Um, and I think we fall into that trap a lot of thinking, oh, well, if somebody asks me, I should be able to do it. It's not necessarily true. I love that she talked about how we put pressure on ourselves, that it's our own expectations. It's not necessarily what other people expect of us. And you you need to kind of sit back and think about, is somebody really expecting this? Yeah, for better or for worse, nobody is thinking of you as much as you are thinking of you. Exactly. I mean, she, she talks about, um, you know, somebody sending an email and they're not sitting there waiting for your response. I always think like, there are some people who are sending that email and they're sitting there and they're waiting to see if you're going to respond in five minutes, but like, that's not normal. Um, you know, somebody, somebody's emailing and then they're going off and doing the next thing that they have on their list. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it is like trying to remember that you're only the center of your own universe. <laughs> Rarely is somebody going, you know, at their, at their desk going like, when is that email coming back to me? When is that person, they go on to the next thing. Yes. You know, and it made me think about, maybe we want to do a podcast on this sometime. Um, the idea of perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And I think that part of this whole fight or flight um emergency response mm -hmm. like we must do everything right it, it can be like that, that whole idea that we're going to do everything right mm -hmm. that we're going to be perfect and we're going to achieve all the things yeah um I think that it can be a part of our desire to do all the things and yeah. do it all right yeah and we can do it all and do it all now and get it all done yeah and that's just not sustainable either. No. The stress that we put on ourselves about our own expectations mm -hmm. can also bleed into other areas of our lives. Yeah. I think it was interesting that Sarah um, Fleming mentioned that too, yeah. like talking about like how that impacts how you deal with all your other tasks. <laughs> I remember the time when I, I thought that 
at the the stress I was feeling um, was just internal. And I remember my girls were little and they said, mommy, why are you moving so fast? Oh, <laughs> it's coming out. Like I didn't need to tell them I was worried about something like they were, they saw it. Why are you moving so fast? And I, oh my, <laughs> this is because this is what happens, right? Because you get so wrapped up in moving so quickly you know your body is in fight or flight um so not only are you physically tense and breathing fast and your muscles are tight and you know you're not taking deep breaths mm -hmm. and just physically it's unsustainable and you're yeah. you're going to have physical symptoms and not feel great probably mm -hmm. not sleep well mm -hmm. um anxiety kinds of things are going to creep into your life right so there's all that horrible stuff but then all the things that creep into your work that are going to be like a snowball um to cause you stress mm -hmm. are going to start happening because when you're stressed out you start missing little things in your work you know yeah. making small mistakes because mm -hmm. you're doing things as quickly as you can yeah um well also we're like you we're alluding to we're we're whole people so yeah. like the same thing that happens at work happens at home too yeah. you start missing things you you know you're not as on as you could otherwise be or usually are um and that's bad too so it's like if you get stretched too thin then nowhere is or is getting your full attention or, or what's needed out of you so what's the answer Number one, realizing you have an issue. Right. And James talks, the first James talks step. about that a little in his comments. The work we do, the impact it has on the institution. Yes, it's important, but it's not an emergency. It's not ever anything that we need to get into in our minds. We never need to get into fight or flight mode about that. Uh, at the end of the day, um, every student is going to receive a great education at UVA. And we will cut checks. Um, we will pay people, um, you know, and importantly, um, you know, all of our patients will receive good, great patient care over in the health system. Um, so, you know, keep that in proper perspective during the course of the project, whatever comes up, whatever challenges we face, um, you know, it's, it, it's not a life or death situation. What I got from him was that when you recognize the signs of that in yourself, yeah, which is like you, you can feel physically, the, yes, the feelings of anxiety, yeah. When you recognize that, then that's when you say, I just need to pause, yes, I need to stop what I'm doing and slow down, yeah, like what Sarah was saying, and just think think rationally yes and i like how he said you you need to recognize that the amygdala is unnecessary machinery so when i spoke to gretchen kreibel she talked about how this probably got worse within the pandemic the fight or flight syndrome but also not just because of the things getting more stressful because of illness and worry and um, things within 
the emergency response itself, but also just because of the way we were doing uh, business and communicating with each other. And she had some suggestions and um, interesting thoughts about how she had learned to mitigate that, that I thought were worth talking about. Especially when March, 2020 came around and everybody went home it really got bad at that point because people were pinging each other left and right. There were there were a lot of emergencies that needed to be decided quickly, but then we got into a really bad habit of everything was ping worthy. And so people were working nearly around the clock and that just wasn't healthy for anybody. And you could just see the exhaustion on everybody's face when you did meet via Teams or Zoom, what have you. And so we've had to kind of go back and reset from that experience and um, and really look at what is a priority. I feel like I have a pretty good handle on that for what we do in risk management. But I also, you know, sometimes I feel like I have to think, does the other person really think it's an emergency? Because normally, you know, I might react and be like, oh, let me get that to them right away. And they're like, oh, it's fine. Next week is okay. So I think clarifying with people too, when do you need this? Give me a deadline, please. Those types of things are really helpful to kind of manage my task list, um, so to speak, because otherwise you are you're in that cycle of response um, all the time. And then I also think too, when I get certain types of emails, because a lot of the uh, conversations start with email. And if it's coming in from a very emotional place from the sender, sometimes that's one where you're like, don't respond right away take a minute, take a breath, because you, you don't want to, you want to take the emotion out of it um, and try to make it, you know, more of a calm place. So those are a couple of the things that have helped me coming, um, coming out of pandemic mode. And like Addie said, there is probably nobody in the whole building or sitting at their home office anywhere, sitting there thinking, po like poking a voodoo doll of you right now <laughs> well who knows <laughs> they might after this podcast <laughs> so that's the short-term thing yeah um long term uh because you also need to start cultivating some better habits too oh, right and I think Augie alludes to this a little bit when he talks about yeah. how um he's realized like he comes into the office I yeah. think almost as like a decision based, like knowing how he is, yeah. knowing he that he probably wouldn't do as well, like dividing his life. I try to come into the office because the ride in helps me mentally prepare for the day and the ride home helps me kind of mentally decompress. And you now I've got a five and a seven year old at home. So I don't have, a, I don't have a lot of time to think about work once I walk in the door. So I've got a three hour window at night where I can really try to disengage from work and then maybe jump back on emails or other pressing matters. But the family balance for me helps, helps me recenter a little bit as well. Right. And remember that your brain is, is doing valuable work when it is resting. Yeah. Yeah. The myth, it is a myth that you need to be feeding your brain all the time. Yeah. That you need to be doing something yeah. all the time that mm -hmm. is not true yeah. rest is necessary yeah. for your body and your mind yeah so patty and that, i say so yes <laughs> um he 
I'm going to go take a nap after this. <laughs> I'm going to lay down under my desk. <laughs> um, he um, talked about, we were talking about long-term like strategy. Um, he talked about aligning priorities and that that's an, an important aspect of making sure that you're not treating everything as an emergency. You know, you manage the day, you forecast the quarter, you plan for the year and try to take some time throughout the day. I try to realign my priorities, both daily, weekly, monthly, and annually. And that just allows the shape some perspective. And, you know, the fact that we've gone to these quarterly surveys in a more dynamic goal setting environment, there's an opportunity there. So what was what we thought was critical July 1 may not be now and vice versa. And we've got a little bit more agility in how we can go about trying to, you know, strategically align what we're trying to accomplish from a goal setting performance perspective. Revisiting your the organization priorities, revisiting mm -hmm. your goals, revisiting like your daily thoughts of the daily, weekly plan of like what mm -hmm. what is supposed to be important I think that's a great idea the the quadrant I wrote down are that I noted um to talk about in this podcast is called the Eisenhower decision matrix yeah and it's actually a day-to-day -day management kind of thing so um you have four quadrants and then the first quadrant is do first so you focus on the things that you have to get done that day yeah um the second quadrant is schedule. It's important, mm -hmm. but it's not urgent. Right. So it could be scheduled. Right. And um, and then the third quadrant is urgent, but less important. And yeah. you could delegate that to other folks. Yeah. And then the fourth is don't do, which is neither urgent nor important. So don't do it at all. Yeah. So I always laugh about that. Don't do quadrant because... You're like, why some does it exist? Are, well, <laughs> yeah, but some things are neither urgent nor important, but you still want to do them. Like, I don't know, stuff that you would maybe do in your personal time. Oh, okay. So um, so I think, you know, applying this to work is probably where you want to uh, think about it because- yeah. um, We'll link to that in the yeah, show notes. The yeah, Eisenhower, the Eisenhower decision, decision matrix. matrix. I think Eisenhower actually used it. But anyway, we'll link we'll link to several of those yeah. in the show notes. And like, yeah, it's just people have variations of that same quadrant matrix. Um, so it's but generally, what we're advocating for here, generally, what we're advocating for here is finding a way that works for you to check in and order your day so that you are making decisions and taking some control over prioritization. Mm -hmm. And while it will never be that any of us has total control over their day, yeah, control is an illusion. Yeah. <laughs> and there will always be things. And Stacy talks about this and Sarah too, because both of them and, and really anyone that we spoke to and any, any one of us listening to this, um, there are things that are going to come into your day that you just have to deal with. Yeah. I know how to prioritize what's most important. And I, I'm like, James, I stop and I think um, what I'm doing here is not life or death. We'll all be here tomorrow and the building will be standing tomorrow. And um, and I work with a great group of people that are understanding and 
let me let me work that way um that do not fit into the list of things that you had planned mm -hmm. yeah. but and even those you have to think about and think um where do I put this? Where do I put this? Yeah. And, and in what of those, if you use this kind of matrix, where do I put that in the matrix? And it might be helpful to use a matrix like this. Like somebody comes to you and they have a problem that may be urgent to them. Yeah. But um, you may want to look, okay, is it, does it need to be done today? Yeah. Um, or could you just get it scheduled? Yeah. To um, do tomorrow. Or can someone else do it? Yeah. Um, or... But I also really like how Augie said, remember that challenging times don't last forever. Challenging times don't last, right? They ebb and flow. They move, they migrate from personal life to professional life, you know, and they, and they may not all happen at once or they may, it all depends, but you know, I, for someone that worked in athletics and, and enjoys following sports, right? You know, the, the consistent programs, they don't get too excited when they win. They don't get too down when they lose, right? You reevaluate your performance, you make adjustments and you move on. And I think having some kind of consistent, even keel to your approach bodes well for long-term success. Yeah. It, and the, the point stands too, that we can manage our time and if we don't manage our time, I think our time sort of manages us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. And it's unpleasant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's very true. And, um, and I think a lot of times, I think it, this is just myself. Maybe it's not this way for a lot of people, but the times where I don't prioritize and I let things be equal, let all things be equal and it all have, must be done. Mm -hmm. And I let my sense of perfectionism mm -hmm. and um, like kind of self-martyrdom <laughs> take over. That's when I do things like let my life become unbalanced and work late all the mm -hmm. time and yeah. sacrifice things that keep me healthy mm -hmm. as a person and get really unhealthy. Mm -hmm. and, and that serves nobody. Yeah. That doesn't make you a good professional. No bears are chasing us. There's food in the pantry. We do not have to hunt or gather. No one is chasing us with arrows. We'll probably be okay. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to link to some good resources in the show notes. Mm -hmm. We're really appreciative of the folks who spoke to us candidly about these things. They're all a little bit vulnerable to talk about. Yeah. So thank you to Stacy, Sarah, Addie, Augie, Gretchen, and James for talking about um, their time management strategies, their anxieties and hidden insecurities. <laughs> we really appreciate you all. And for all our listening audience, we hope that you will take a few moments to remember that the times are stressful, but everything is going to be mostly okay. <laughs> and it doesn't sound all that convincing for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, insofar as business at the university goes, it will survive. It's going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to be okay. The university will survive. The university will survive. We're an out from us. All right. Bye. Thanks, Bye. everybody. Bye-bye.